Hey everyone, Dave Hagen here. Let's talk about payday loans. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us here today. This is Dave Hagan at Uncle Studios in Van Nuys, California. I was was reading the LA Times uh, about a month ago and they had an article about a recent Supreme Court case, and I thought that that would be a good stepping off point to talk about payday loans. The California Supreme Court recently said in a unanimous opinion that courts have a responsibility to guard against consumer loan provisions that have unduly oppressive terms, including interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, it was kind of thought that these lenders were allowed to charge whatever they wanted to bear. Now, in California, Just in California, mind you, there are laws that set up maximum rates for payday loans or individual loans or consumer loans, whatever you want to call them, up to $2,500. But after $2,500 and up, there's no rules. When lawmakers removed the interest rate caps on larger loans in the 80s, they included language that allowed a, a, a loan term to be found unconscionable. And the courts have kind of grappled with what that, what that particularly means. So in many other states like New York, they have interest rate limits on these higher dollar loans and they're largely regulated for the most extent. But Monday's opinion applies to loans in California. Now, bear in mind that in California and most other states, there are laws that limit interest rates between individuals. They're called the usury laws and they set very specific limits on the interest. But in California, if you get a license to lend money, you can charge whatever you want over this $2,500 limit. Now in this case, Cash Call, which is a company based in Orange County, they offer consumer loans at interest rates uh, topping 100%. Its attorneys argued that by removing a cap on interest rates, the legislature intended to allow them to set their own rates without any interference from state regulators. Their response was, well, the market will set the rate. If somebody advertises a rate at 10,000%, well, that company is going to go out of business because nobody is going to borrow money from them. Now, the Supreme Court said, look, we can still find an interest rate unconscionably high. That's still something that the courts can make a finding on and invalidate that loan or or that interest rate. In the case that the Supreme Court ruled on, they didn't rule that cash calls loans were unconscionable. They didn't make that specific finding, but they said, look, the courts can make a determination that a specific interest rate is unconstitutional or usurious. Now, the cash call situation was particularly interesting because uh, the people that uh, filed the lawsuit, it was uh, a group of people, a class action apparently, um, they borrowed money from cash call at rates from 96% to 135% 
over a period of time from 2004 to 2011. Um, and in fact, a cash call executive said in a court filing that 40 to 45% of all cash call borrowers default on their loans. And I think that's the most important thing for us to take away from this. These loans, 40 to 45% of the people that borrow are defaulting and paying back many more times than they would have otherwise received. I was talking to someone today who um, talks to a lot of people considering filing for bankruptcy, and he was saying, look, I can't tell you how many people I talk to on the phone that want to go bankrupt. They owe one of these lenders like 6000 bucks, And they say, yeah, it's like $200 that I borrowed five years ago. Now it's turned into 6000 bucks. These are really dangerous. And these lenders are all over the place. I mean, I don't know about you, but I see them all over the street, up and down the street. The auto title people that that lend on auto title, the people that lend on payday loans, uh, the people that just make straight out consumer loans like this. So um, apparently it's lucrative business. The money rolls over. People pay back very, very high interest rates. It's much more prevalent. The LA Times article states that Last year alone, which would have been, what, 2017, state licensed lenders in California made more than 350,000 consumer loans with interest rates of 100% or higher. Wow. Now, Cash Call is just one of the first players in this market, but they're, they're not alone. In the last three years, a majority of the loans from 2500 to $5,000 which is the most common size range that's apparently tracked by regulators, have carries interest rates of 100% or more. And hundreds of thousands of such loans are made each year. By comparison, in 2007, lenders made just 870 of these loans in that size and interest rate range. So to, you know, to summarize a little bit, at least in California, between private parties, there are usury laws that limit interest rates. When one of the parties has a commercial license to lend money, then there's regulation up to $2,500. And over $2,500, there's no limits except for the fact that a court might call that particular loan unconscionable. Now, these people can do whatever they want. We just have to be smarter. What's our takeaway from this? Well, I think the first question is, as a country or as a state, should we regulate this? I don't know. I mean, it depends upon your view of the role of government. Some people might claim that people should be allowed to do whatever they want to do and that the market and market pressures will control any type of activity that gets too egregious. Some people, the other side of the coin, will say, well, it's the role of government to protect people from themselves from time to time and keep them out of these extreme situations. So whether we should regulate it or not, I mean, I really don't have an opinion on that because it just depends upon your view of the role of government. That being said, I can say this with certainty. Never, ever, ever, ever get a payday loan. Borrow from family instead. Drive for Uber. Sell some blood. Do I dare say cash advance on a credit card? I can't even believe that I would say that. Although, look at your, look at your statement. Um, there's a separate line item on your, your credit card statement that talks about the interest rate you'll pay and the fees that you'll pay. And when you really think about it, it's really a, really a bad idea. But I mean, if that's your last case scenario, I would, I would do that. And wow, 
if you've put together an emergency fund, you should never have to borrow. I mean, I can't imagine anything that would be that compelling except for you know, maybe medical care where you would go out and borrow that kind of money at those interest rates because a lot of it doesn't get repaid. And now you're going to have this big stone in your shoe that you're going to pay for many times over. So again, just to be clear, never, ever, ever go get a payday loan unless maybe someone's dying and you got to pay for a doctor, but never, ever get a payday loan. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, I'm told that we have another audio email this week from Anne, so let's cue that up. Hi, David. My name is Anne, and my question for you is, how do I save while working at a nonprofit when we don't have a 401k plan? Well, first of all, Anne, thank you for for working for a nonprofit. A a nonprofit, by definition, is is pursuing some public good, and thank you for for doing that. Uh, My second thought is, um, you know, I've never understood why pay is less at nonprofits, and I know that that's something that's commonly said in interviews for jobs at nonprofits. You know, well, we pay less because we're a nonprofit. I think that the work of nonprofits sometimes is many more times more important to society or value than work at a for-profit. Um, but that being said, I think you're going to have to accept the fact that uh, if you work for a nonprofit, you, you probably will get paid less. And we've got to figure out some way for you to save within that parameter. If they don't have any retirement plans that are available, you're going to have to make or do your own. And that might be an IRA, which I think is the easiest and most straightforward way uh, to put together some kind of retirement or or even a savings account. And of course, you're not going to do those things until you've um, put together an emergency fund and and um, you know cleaned up your debt. But once you've done that, assuming that that's all taken care of, then you should be taking, I mean, you really should set up a lifestyle to put 15% aside every month uh, for, your, uh, for your retirement or for your savings. And the way that you do that is you just sketch out on a piece of paper, here's what's coming in, and here's what's going out, and where do I change that so that I've got 15%. Now, maybe it means that you know, you, you work a little side gig, or maybe it means you cut some expenses somewhere, or maybe that means that less money is spent on entertainment. And when you go out with friends, you just say, look, I, I just don't go out, you know, three nights a week or, or whatever you might do. And, and, um, you know, go dancing or drinking or eating or whatever you do, because, Hey, I work for a nonprofit. I would hope that they would 
pat you on the back in a similar way that I just did and congratulate you for doing work that um, is for a public good. So I think that you, you've got to accept the parameter, unfortunately, and I don't think you should have to, but you have to accept the parameter and then put together a, a plan, whether you're going to generate income, whether you're going to cut your expenses and, and, and get that money in there because it's critical. It's just critical that you start putting money into that retirement plan. Remember at 7% money doubles every 10 years and the dollars that you put into a retirement plan in the early days are going to cycle through, you know, two, three, four, five, not five, two, three, four times even, a double two, three, four times, assuming that you're getting a reasonable uh, rate of return on your, your investment in your retirement plan, in your IRA. And the sooner that you get the money and the sooner that you start putting money aside, the sooner those uh, funds are going to start to be real meaningful monies. I remember back in the day, my wife and I, and we just started, uh, she was at an accounting firm and I was at a law firm and we were putting some money aside in IRAs and it was like, I don't know, $2,000. And it, it just seems so inconsequential. We were we were almost of the mind, you know, this is such a small amount of money. Let's use it just for a vacation because this is never going to amount to anything. But we added to it and the interest rate was beneficial to us. We took a couple of shots and had um, the stock market be good to us a couple of times. We also We also took some pretty good hits twice. Um, during the Great uh, Recession and, and during the dot-com bubble. But, uh, you know, now that we're getting ready to retire, uh, the money in those retirement plans is really a, a nice piece of change, and it's going to really affect how we ultimately are able to live when, when we retire. So start early, and I know it doesn't seem like much, but do it. Get it going. You won't miss some of the things that you're spending money on 30 years from now. You won't remember that. You know, some of the nicest times that, that we had as a, as a young early couple were, I don't know, going to the beach or, or watching a, you know, a particularly exciting playoff baseball game on TV. And it was, you know, one of those old, old tube TVs. And I had to put like this card behind the tuner so that it would come in clear. This is way before flat screen, way before flat screen. But I can remember like tomorrow, like it was yesterday. Kirk Gibson hitting that that home run and getting the Dodgers, uh, um, you know, to winning the the World Series. So um, it's those kinds of things you remember. Not not necessarily that you went out to you know Falderall restaurant or what have you and had a nice meal. Although sometimes that's nice too. But my point is, accept the parameter, put together a plan, get that fifteen percent going because. It's so important that you start it now and young and early, and it'll pay such dividends for you um, during the rest of your life. Hope that helps. Well, let's take a written email. Here's a, here's a shorty, kind of interesting. It's from Mary. It says, hey, Dave, the bank wants me to join one of these Christmas clubs. Uh, what do you think? Any thoughts? Well, here's what I think, Mary. Um, I think they're kind of a scam. It's just a, an excuse to get you to save. And... Um, you know, if, if you're going to be part of a scam to get you to save, then I, I guess it's okay, but uh, get you in the habit of saving. But what they're trying to do is get you to save some money every month on a consistent basis. I guess they're going to pay you something uh, of an interest rate, although it probably won't be much. And then when the holidays come around, um, you'll have some money in your pocket to go out and spend on gifts, I guess, blow it all. And... Um, you know, it'll be a better holiday, but let me, let me 
runs something different by you? What if you're taking that same amount of money and you're putting it in some kind of a, you know, low key investment? Certainly it's going to get better than, um, you know, an interest rate at a bank. And how about when that money comes out, you take half of it and, and leave it in the savings or, 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 you know, leave it in the investment and you spend something less um, on Christmas. We don't have to like, you know, clean out the cupboard at the holiday time to buy gifts. Sometimes an experience, sometimes uh, something symbolic is just as meaningful as, you know, some great big expensive gift. I'm continually surprised at how much we spend during the holidays. Um, sometimes you look at it when it's all done and it's, it's almost vulgar. Um, and I think that we're encouraged to do that by retailers and they should encourage us to do that because they're in the business of making money for their shareholders. But if we're a little smarter about it, we can put together a list and, and you know, share experiences, share symbolic things, um, and make it maybe a more meaningful Christmas. Now, if you have trouble setting money aside, I, I guess the Christmas club is, is fine. I mean, I know someone that um, used to have the IRS or their employer overwithhold so that when tax time would come, they would be excited about filing their return, not the kind of person that would want to file a return. So the fact that they were going to get a refund would get them in there to get that return filed early, and then they would get the money back. So it was like forced savings. And that's great if you're not a saver because you never touch the money. It comes out of your check. It's withheld. But the money that's withheld, you're not necessarily getting a great rate of interest or maybe any interest rate on it all. You'd be better to try and put together a plan put some discipline on yourself to take the money out of your account every time you deposit a, a paycheck and then have it in some kind of, you know, low key um, investment that's going to get you meh, a few more bucks. So are these Christmas clubs bad? No, they're not bad. Uh, are they your optimal circumstance? No. So I'm not really against them, but boy, if you think about it, there's a lot better things you could do to try and compel you to hold a few bucks aside. Let's do one more email. I think we've got some time. Here's an interesting one from Mike. Any suggestions on how to date on a budget? Well, Mike, I got to tell you, um, uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily the person to ask about that. Um, I was really never great at dates. And, um, you know, um, um, I was very fortunate in the person that I was able to marry, but um, it's not a result of um, great dating skill or clever dating skill. Um, I think it was more than, uh, you know, it was just dumb luck on my part. Yes, I was able to uh, marry up. I was very fortunate, I think. But um, here's a couple things. Um, first of all, the, the right person isn't going to depend on, you know, you taking them out for an expensive meal um, or something that you do for them or buy for them. The right person really isn't going to care about that so much. I remember one time we were at the airport and, and um, you know, the, a plane was delayed and I, I guess a couple was going on a date on an airplane or they were going away for the weekend or something. And uh, the, one, uh, the one person says to the other, well, now that the plane's delayed, how are you going to make that up to me? And I wanted to say, you know, pull the other person aside and say, you know, this probably isn't a person you want to be dating. This looks pretty rough to me. It's more about the, you know, the material items than it is about the, the friendship and the, and the, uh, the personal relationship and what have you. So 
Um, I wouldn't really worry about that. I wouldn't focus on expensive meals or fancy weekends. Um, I don't think that's important. I, I would focus on experiences, not things. Experiences that don't necessarily cost a lot, you know, uh, picnic in the park or a, a concert in the park or, you know, a walk or a hike or uh, something like that. Um, certainly that's a way to do it on a, on a lower cost or on a budget. I don't even want to say budget because remember I've said when you say budget, it's like a diet. As soon as you're on it, you don't want to be on it. But I'm talking about thoughtfully dating. Maybe that's a better topic or a better label for it. Thoughtfully dating. Take the money that you have that you've set aside in your monthly spending plan for entertainment um, and look for a way to use that in, in a thoughtful way on a date. Um, you know, maybe sometimes um, you could, you could uh, go from, uh, I don't know, restaurant to restaurant, um, checking out what's the best burger in town or what's the best fried chicken in town or I don't know, something like that. You certainly can come up with a lot of creative things without having to drop a lot of money on it. And if the expectation is that you're going to drop a lot of dough on this person, maybe that's not the person you want to be dropping the dough on. Just some thoughts, Mike. Hope that helps. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Tune in next week. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.